You are listening to Gangland Wire, hosted by former Kansas City Police Intelligence Unit Detective Gary Jenkins. Hey guys, all you wiretappers out there, this is uh, one of the series of short episodes about the Chicago outfit in 1989. I'm recording this with my friend Cam Robinson, Camulus Robinson, and Paul Whitcomb, my other friend. Both of these guys are experts on the Chicago outfit. Now, looking back at 1989, the Cubbies won first place in the National League East, but the Giants beat them in the National League playoffs, if you remember that. The Royals, since I'm from Kansas City, we finished second in the American League West, kind of on our way back downhill from our great win in the World Series in 1985. Richard J. Daly had been the mayor for a long time in Chicago, and Richard M. Daly, little Richie, became the mayor in 1989. Now you're going to notice that the sound is just a little off. I had to take the sound from a Zoom call because my recorder developed a problem during the taping, and I didn't notice it until we were about, God, I've been about an hour or so into it, and none of us wanted to go back over this again. It just, it's like catching lightning in a bottle doing a show. I felt like we'd done something really good, and it just, we, it just can't, sometimes you just can't do it again. So, but I think it's a cool show, a cool series of episodes about, Stool pigeons in 1989. Now, 1989, the Chicago outfit had a bad year, as you'll see. Everybody came in and started talking. So settle back and listen to this particular episode. I don't remember which is which. Now, don't forget to hit me up on my Venmo, buy me a shot and a beer, or help me buy a new recorder, which I'm going to do. Or hit me up on my website on the donate page using PayPal, or you can use your credit card. Now, settle back and listen to this particular episode of the year of the stool pigeon now today i have my my good friend and, and a guy who's actually been kind of a part-time co-host off and on for the show uh, cam camulus robinson and along with cam we've got his friend and another chicago outfit expert paul whitcomb welcome guys how you doing gary Thanks for having us now you guys do another show up there in chicago what's what's that show that you guys have done up there well, we have uh, a couple of different things going on. The big thing that, that Cam and I have been doing is uh, the VPod TV network, which is a new TV network. We've got a show called Inside the Chicago Outfit, which is essentially four or five of us and special guests sitting around a table talking about different things in the Chicago Outfit. We've done Sam Giancana, Tony Accardo, um, the Policy Wars, and it's it's a, a brand new TV network that's available on several of the different uh, streaming networks, right, Cam? Right. It's uh, it's available on Roku, VPOD, uh, VPOD, and comes on Friday and Saturday nights at uh, 8.30 to 9.30 uh, Central and 9.30 to 10.30 uh, Eastern Time. So it's it's really, we do a lot of research going into it. It's a lot of fun, sit around and really go do a deep dive into a lot of lot of subjects. So it's a, it's a good watch. Well, let's uh, let's talk about ex-Chicago cops. Speaking of cops, let's talk about Vince Reza. His, you know, his daughter actually appeared on that uh, Chicago Mob Housewives, or they tried to do a show, and Frank Swish's daughter was on it, and Pia Reza, who has gotten some notoriety as a model or something, I can't remember, 
and she really, she was tight. She would not talk about her dad at all. I read an interview of her. She refused to talk about her dad at all. But he came in and he testified against Harry Edelman, of all people, and linked him to the murder of this bookie, Anthony Ratlinger. Remember that one? Go ahead, Paul. No, I, that one I'm not very up on, you know, Cam. I, I'm all sorry. Right, so Ratlinger, Ratlinger, I believe he, he I'm, I'm, I'm behind, I believe he didn't want to pay his his street tax, if I'm right, Gary. And he, yeah, you're right. I, he had I, been I warned. He Ratlinger had been warned that he needs to pay. He needs to pay, and he was making a good deal of money. And Ratlinger was was he was brought in. He was spoke just. The normal, the normal course of action with the with the wild bunch because he was a wild bunch murderer. It's, I'm, I'm a little rusty, but but here it comes. So he was a wild bunch killing. He was brought in. He was warned. It was the typical Harry Aleman. And uh, if I'm if I'm remembering correctly, and and people correct me if I'm not, it was it's Butch Petrocelli. They sat him down. Right. You know, Butch and uh, usually it would be Butch and. Um, uh, Borsalino, who would do the talking, uh, Tony Borsalino, and they would do the talking. And then afterwards, Butch Petrocelli would just sit down and glare. So he was a pretty scary guy. And he had that uh, uh, Malocchio, the, the evil eye, and he would just glare at people. And that would send the message. And Reitlinger didn't didn't listen. He was making too much money. He's not going to pay any any damn dagos, that, that kind of line. And so he course fell victim to these guys and i believe he was he may have been trunk music i think i, I remember this on the one. map but i can't remember yeah i, I got this one it's uh, he went to a restaurant that's right that's himself, right and, and he had already warned that's him. right I think his daughter lived with him i'm not sure about the wife yeah. but he had warned his family to take all kinds of extra precautions yeah. he knew something was coming and it, you know after reading that thing it, it's kind of like what we talked about Spilatro taking off their jewelry. Ken yes. Ito did the similar kind of a thing and told his wife he may not be coming back. Uh, I tell you, another guy that did the same thing was uh, Sonny Black. Uh, That's right. It came out about uh, uh, Joker Stone, the Donnie Brusco story. He did the same thing. He went to a sit-down or a meeting, and he took off his jewelry. I believe left his billfold. Uh, when he went to the meeting, this land, Ken Ito was the same way. Ken Ito, I think, thought he could talk his way out of it. I think all of them thought they could talk yeah. their way out of it. Yeah. So Reitlinger went out by himself and sat in a prominent do, place yeah. in this local restaurant that and was public. really well known in, up there in the uh, kind of north side, of, north of downtown Chicago, and I can't remember the name of it. Uh, and he just sat there, and pretty soon a car pulls up, and, and two guys run in kind of like a Richard Kane kind of a deal and, and just start popping it. And, and that was a Harry Edelman deal. He, That's right. He did, I believe. He There's an old guy who was uh, who had married the girlfriend of uh, Felix Alderizio, I believe. And he, he and this woman are sitting out in front of their brownstone and Edelman and some other dude pull up and get out with guns, walk up to him and shoot him and kill him. And, and, and so that was, that had... Uh, yeah, that was Petrocelli and... Petrocelli and uh, and Aleman walked up, and he had been he had been dating uh, uh, Alderisio's Alderisio's girlfriend. Alderisio right. is dead. Well, that's the famous hit from Beyond the Grave. That's because right. Yeah. Already gone. Yeah. Old Sambo's just sitting in a lawn chair, thinking he's got it made. That's right. 
you know, Gary, you and I did the show on the outfit uh, a long time ago. Uh, not, I'm sorry, on the Wild Bunch a long time ago. So a lot of those, and they did so much work back in the day. A lot of those run together. But yeah, you're now. I, now that you're right, writing or was he was eating in uh, in the uh, uh, restaurant. I uh, I can't remember the name. It may have been been Luna's, but he was went out in public. He thought he'd be safe. And like you said, a lot of these guys have a sixth sense because they come up on the street and they know these things. And uh, like a guy like Sam Anarino knew it was coming. He was dodging them for a long time, but they, they know that their time is coming. Eventually they just, they stay ahead of it for a while and figure they can fight their way out or, or talk their way out. And yeah, they, he was blown away right in public. It was similar to the, I remember it being similar to the, to the Richard Kane murder. And this was in, it was right around the same time. It was, it was in the mid seventies, 75, 74, 75, 76. It might've been 75 that Reitinger happened right, right in the middle of the restaurant. I've been a lot cheaper to pay the street tax. I reckon, you know, and it wasn't, I, I don't recall that they're asking for so much, but once these murders started happening, yeah, I think it was, it wasn't like it was half or, or 75%. I think they just wanted, it was, you know, it, it might've been a quarter. It might've just been a flat fee across the board, but, once that street tax was was instituted, I mean, you, we've talked about this before, Gary. That was when the Wild Bunch was out there. That was that was they really didn't play around. When Ferriola told these guys get everybody in line, uh, uh, they really cracked down, and they they weren't playing at all. You you pay or you die. And guys like Aleman and Petricelli you know, right, whether it was right in public or whatever, in the outfit in the 70s, you know, Paul, you know this from from Richard Kane and, and several others, they just write in public, which just blow you away. And uh, writing her was just was almost textbook, just like the Richard Kane. It was it was right in the right in the restaurant. Yeah, uh, I'll tell you. Uh, I, I was thinking those. of I was con- I was conflating him with with Hal Smith. OK, I, I'll tell you something about those mob hits when. When they kill somebody in public like that, in a public way, more than likely it's because they, the, whoever the victim is, has been alerted and they can't get anybody to get close to them. They will have already tried to send somebody around to get them isolated. And if, when they can't get them isolated, then they, they want them bad enough. They'll just lay, as, as Frank Calabrese, heard, I heard him say once, will lay on them. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. But lay on them. I read that somewhere else. They use that term when you're following somebody and you're trying to set them up for a hit. They lay on them. Calabrese even said, you know, you like get an empty refrigerator box and hide inside of it. I mean, it's just like kind of stuff we used to do in the intelligence unit to do run surveillances on people. And, and so they'll lay on you for a while and, until they can get you somewhat isolated. If they can't, then they'll just take you out in public. Now, it might be to send a message, but I don't think so because it's so risky to get somebody in public. And you could have a, a, a young off-duty cop in there that you didn't even notice, and he come out comes out blazing, and, and you know it's just it's not worth it. Even even if you take him out, he's probably going to get you. So uh, it, it's all kind of the last resort. That desperation, public, yeah, it's desperation because they can't get you isolated. You you look at some of these public murders, guys like guys like Richard Kane or, or Reitinger, like you said, who was who was on the watch. Sam Anarino, who was who was right on on Cicero. Um, guy like Chris Carty, who was years later. Uh, I mean, these are guys who would have been you know who would have been smart enough and street smart enough to 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 be on the watch to to 
to watch their step, to, to know what was going on, with the exception of a guy like um, Michael Cagnoni, who, who just happened to be difficult to get. Uh, and he, would, he probably might have had an idea that something was happening, but I think just he was a family guy, and so he was hard to isolate. Yeah. Uh, he was, you know, they blew him up on the interstate. But I think that, in general, that's a good point, Gary. These guys, if they just run up and blow away, it's, they, it's just a last resort. That's that's an excellent point. I, I hadn't, you know, I'm, I have always been in that camp of oh, that must be sending a message. But you, with your with your experience, I think you're exactly right. One thing, guys, I think we're mixing up Sambo Cesario with Sam Anarino. No, I was I was thinking when they, yeah, you're you're right, Paul. I was thinking though when when they blew away Sam Anarino in the parking lot with his family, though they had been trying to get him for for several months, and they finally just. They finally just went after him in the parking lot, called in a robbery, and blew him away in the furniture right. store parking lot. That was what I meant. Yeah, Gary was referring to Sambo earlier. I just yeah. meant they had been trying to get Sam Anarino for a long time, and when they couldn't, they just they just got him in the parking lot. Right. Well, interesting. You know, you uh, no matter how much terror these guys strike in the heart of their underlings, in the end that still will turn once in a while. And I think people don't really not turn because they're afraid of getting killed so much as they don't turn because they don't want to have their family suffer the disgrace of them being a rat or a snitch. Uh, I think that's, I think that's more important to be a man and go out like a man in this subculture. And believe me, I've lived in a subculture where being a man and being a tough guy is more important than anything else. Uh, I think that's the most important thing that keeps people from coming in. Uh, you know, you're you're like a wimp. You're a puss. You know, you right. can't take it. Can't handle it. Can't handle. You know what I mean? You can't handle five years. I can do five years standing on my head or a tray like the dude told me. So uh, you know, but even even with all that, they still. There's a certain percentage that will end up coming in. Sure. And usually they're people that either don't care about their family, like Lenny Patrick, yeah. or that don't have close family so that they don't have it so much of that pressure that you're talking about, Gary, because you make a really valid point that that, that cultural value is so strong. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you talk, it, in, in a lot of these small towns, you see in, in Detroit where they're all family tied in and everything, you don't see informants. I think they've had one. Kansas City, as you said, Gary, you don't see. But then you look at a place like Rochester where they're all just lower tier mob guys that everybody was informing on everybody because they they really weren't as as upper echelon sort of mob guys. So I think that, that like you said, once you get that culture seeped in, you've got those families and all, there's a lot of factors, but if it's a deep rooted mob town, you really don't see a lot of, a lot of real informants. All right. Well, thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate you coming on here. Uh, people uh, out there, don't forget to, uh, oh, don't forget to uh, rent my movie once in a while. You know, you might you want to go back and see it again. It's only $1.99 if you get the uh, SD version, $2.99 for the HD. And these guys here, Paul and Cam, they've got this great show with Joey Seifert on. Uh, tell us again about that show, Cam, the, how you get that. I can never remember. So, I have to write that down. I can find it on Roku, but I, I can't remember how to do it. 
So the VPod is a is a straight streaming network. It's not uh, on demand, so you watch it just like you would a regular regular TV program. There's a lot of a lot of interesting shows on there, Chicago based. But uh, our our program, we we discuss Chicago outfit with uh, uh, hosts are Joey Seifert and James Forney. They they put it on. Paul and I are the uh, we also sit in there and and provide uh, our our uh, expertise and our 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 mobologist uh, knowledge and we really deep dive into a lot of these topics that interest people about Chicago we've had some great guests on there to discuss we had both Seaford brothers we've had uh, guys talking about uh, some of the the history of black politics and gangsters in Chicago and we've uh, we've had Robert the Gabit Bellavia on there it's really been interesting we had Lisa Calabrese I'm sorry Lisa Swan the ex-wife of Frank Calabrese Jr. who I'm also writing a book about right now uh, in the end stages of editing and and we'll send off to the publisher here within the next uh, couple months uh, we, it's a really excellent opportunity to to learn a lot of interesting facts. We got a lot of good dialogue going on, but it's on Roku. It streams on on in Chicago. It's a fifty one point nine, but but that Roku is really the best way to get it from eight thirty to nine thirty east uh, central, nine thirty to ten thirty eastern. Friday, Friday, night. Friday and Saturday night. Friday and Saturday night. Okay. Okay. I think that's. Got it for me. Anything else you need to promote? Anything upcoming that you want to talk about? Soon, soon. Just yeah, now. that's right. Soon, that's right. We are we are working on uh, uh, some interesting projects, okay. so we uh, right, we cool. will soon. All right, cool. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Gary. Absolutely. Bye. Well, folks, uh, that ends our series on. Uh, the year of the snitch, 1989 in Chicago, and really basically the end of the outfit. I really would like to thank uh, my friend Cam Camulus Robinson and Paul Whitcomb for coming on and, and helping me to tell this story. Thanks a lot, guys. Absolutely. Don't forget to hit me up on your Venmo app, at Gangland Wire, or go to my donate page. Need all the help we can get. And as you know, I always have a little blurb supporting the Veterans Administration and their PTSD work because it's a, it's a huge problem. There's a lot of cops with PTSD. I probably got some myself. I uh, probably could use this myself, a little PTSD help. Uh, you know, there's one more thing about that. Here in Kansas City, I was at a company. Uh, actually, they worked on my computer down here at 304 Armor Road in North Kansas City. And this is for you Kansas City people. There's a virtual reality company called OmniLife. And they, ha- they fix computers. They have a virtual reality games, which are really scary. They put me in one and asked me to walk up plank and walk out and look straight down from a, like a 50-story building. I couldn't do it. It's, it's so real, it's unbelievable. But the last thing that I want to tell you is they have PTSD therapy for military vets. They use virtual reality. would like put a vet in a convoy and then have an IED blow up right in front of them and have them walk them back through their experiences that they had in, in uh, the Middle East or probably go all the way back to Vietnam now. Some of us are still around. And they have a doctor on staff whenever you do this. I don't know if they have a connection with the VA or not, but the guy was telling me about it. It sounded pretty interesting. 
So uh, I just wanted to give them a little plug for you Kansas City listeners, and uh, you may not have PTSD, but if you ever wanted to try something that was fun and, and exciting without taking any real physical risk, go up there to 304 Armor Road and check out the virtual reality games. Thanks, folks. Music provided by our good friend and super fan from Portland, Oregon, Casey McBride. Thanks, Casey. <laughs>